Our next speaker to take us out to the intermission is Dr. Ramona Mutukumaru. Um, she is training to be an infectious diseases specialist at the Alfred Hospital, uh, which means she's particularly excited by bugs, worms, and other gross things that most of us would rather avoid. She spent 2013 in Uzbekistan with Medicine Sun Frontiers, um, where she was studying multi-drug resistant TB and complaining a lot about the food. Um, she has performed sketch comedy in the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Um, this is actually her second attempt at attending Laboratory. The first one was unsuccessful as she um, unfortunately got herself locked in a bathroom, but amazingly got the actual toilet roll holder and beat a hole through the door big enough to climb through. <laughs> Still miss Laboratory, but you know, you're here tonight, Ramona, and appreciate it. Dr. Ramona. Thank you, Claire. I am pretty much the female MacGyver. <laughs> so I'm going to be speaking about um, one of the fathers of modern bacteriology and infectious diseases, the great German microbiologist, Dr. Robert Koch. Now this is spelt K-O-C-H. I discovered fairly late last night, uh, much to my grave disappointment, that it's meant to be pronounced Koch and not the other obvious uh, pronunciation. Um, so I've had to rewrite my talk. There was, I can tell you there was literally 15 solid minutes of great penis-based humour, thinly veiled as science, all had to be thrown out the window. But in all seriousness, there's a long list of reasons why Dr Koch deserves to be amongst the pantheon of heroes that we celebrate here at Laboratory. He not only discovered that bacteria, uh, discovered the bacteria that caused anthrax, tuberculosis and cholera, but also contributed to a seismic shift in the way that we understand disease itself. Um, but to me, the most fascinating thing about him is not his discoveries per se, but his one great error, um, which he made in prematurely and inaccurately describing that he'd found a cure for TB, TB when he hadn't. Very awkward. Now, he was born in 1843 in Klostel, which is a small mining town in northwestern Germany, to a middle-class family. He was the third of 13 children. So all you middle children out there who think, you know, it's hard to get attention, well, imagine being him. Now, the young Robert excelled in his studies, particularly in medicine, uh, sorry, in mathematics and science. After finishing school, he went to the University of Göttingen, which wasn't the most prestigious university around, but you know, it was a respectable place to go. The Monash, if you will, of uh, 19th century Germany. <laughs> but, you know, it was close to home. Um, so I assume that, you know, his motivation for going there was similar to a lot of Monash students. <laughs> so he completed a degree in medicine, graduating with honors in 1865. Shortly after this, he married a local girl, Emma Fratz, and uh, 14 months later, they had a child named Gertrude. After a stint as an army doctor in the Franco-Prussian War, he settled down to a quiet life as a country GP um, in a, a sleepy uh, agricultural town called Walstein, which was just in the border of Poland. And it was here that his inquiry into um, science would, it would flourish. Although some far-sighted scientists in the 17th century had postulated the existence of um, small particles responsible for infection, um, it was far from being accepted dogma at this time. About a decade prior, Louis Pasteur had demonstrated that bacteria were responsible for the fermentation of beer and milk. 
These findings were, however, quite unrelated to human disease and remained far from removed from um, clinical practice in humans in the 19th century. So along came Coke. Um, it so happened that there was an outbreak of anthrax um, in Wolstein at this time. Now, anthrax is primarily an infection that affects uh, cattle, although humans can occasionally become infected. Using a cheap microscope and a range of uh, essentially home-built equipment that he devised himself, he managed to isolate the microorganism present in the dying bacteria, uh, dying cattle, and then cultured these outside of the animal host. He would name this bacteria Bacillus anthracis. Now, much to the distress of his uh, young daughter Gertrude, he pr proceeded to inject her pet rabbits and mice with the bacteria um, that he'd cultured from the infected cattle. When the pet animals invariably died, he would dissect them and isolate the anthrax bacteria. Great scientist, terrible father. <laughs> his methods did pay off though. He demonstrated causality rather than correlation. These experiments form the basis of Koch's postulates, a rigorous set of criteria that we still use today. He would go on to publish his results in the 1877 work, seminal work, Verfragen zur Untersuchung zum Konservieren und Futurieren der Bakterien. Now, that might sound like an order to uh, burn your village and destroy your entire family, um, but in fact, it was the title of his treatise and it detailed his methods. Um, it also included the first published photographs of bacteria. It wouldn't take long before the scientific community began to take notice of this ambitious young country doctor. Before long, Koch's discoveries had attracted the attention of Louis Pasteur himself, who took it upon himself to also study anthrax. More than that, he went on not only to repeat and refine some of Koch's techniques, but also developed the first effective, effective uh, vaccine against anthrax. Now, this really peeved Koch. Not only had Pasteur, scientifically speaking, cut his lunch, but he'd also committed the cardinal sin of failing to cite Koch's prior publication in his own paper. How rude. In the 1880s, Koch would turn his attention to tuberculosis, uh, a disease responsible for about a third of the deaths in Europe in the 19th century. At this time, TB was still believed to be uh, hereditary in its origin. Using his previously tried and tested techniques, um, Koch managed to identify Mycobacterium tuberculosis, the slow-growing Mycobacterium responsible for t TB, and again demonstrated causality between the organism and the disease. In 1882, Koch presented his findings to the Berlin Physiologic Society. The audience was electrified. He published a month later and was hailed the world over. Whilst his career was taking off, though, his marriage was falling apart. He'd grown distant from his wife and daughter, and he'd become involved in a, with a young actress, Hedwig Freiberg, who was nearly 30 years his, younger than him. In the 1890s, um, Koch turned his sights towards something which had eluded him all this time, finding a cure for an infectious disease or a vaccine, and tuberculosis was going to be it. After all, Pasteur had managed a vaccine. So he developed a purified product from tuberculosis-containing organisms, which he would call tuberculin. He first conducted experiments using um, animals where he would inject tuberculosis into these um, infected, already infected animals and then um, conduct examinations at autopsy. Curiously, he didn't apply his own rigorous standards um, 
to his examination. So not, not going on to look for actual bacteria in the tissues that he examined. From a 21st century vantage point, we recognise that his approach smacked of bias. Koch expected and desperately wanted to find the tuberculin bacteria, uh, tuberculin was an effective cure, and he's interpreted his results as such. Um, so at the uh, interna 10th International Medical Congress, um, held in Berlin in 1890, Koch presented his grand findings. He had cured TB. Now you can imagine the public reaction to Koch's claim. Um, even even uh, Pasteur sent him a congratulatory, uh, congratulatory telegram from Paris. Koch was inundated with pleas for help and patients travelled the world over to access treatment. By the end of the year, however, um, with over 2,000 patients treated, the results were starting to come in. It didn't look good. Only 28 were cured. Um, probably a rate that was uh, better, well, worse than if they'd received no treatment at all. So not great. Koch was mortified. He had to leave the country and he went on an extended tour of Egypt just to get away from it all. So who can say what led Koch, a scientist who'd been so meticulous previously in collecting data and, and avoiding bias, to um, make such a horrendous error? I have my own theory. I like to think of tuberculin as being Koch's Lamborghini. Now, perhaps in a different time, um, you know, he was a man of a certain age, he was in his mid-40s. Um, he, he would have perhaps, you know, bought a very fancy car, maybe got a full-sleeve tattoo, uh, a earring or two, just to prove his vitality and um, impress his girlfriend. But being before his time, he had to settle for curing TB instead. So Koch's latter years were spent travelling around the world with Hedwig, who was now his second wife studying everything from um, malaria and to African sleeping sickness. And despite this huge setback, um, his, his uh, love for scientific discovery persisted. So he's remembered not only as being a giant in the field of science, but to me, probably for having orchestrated the greatest cock-up of all time. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> <laughs>